people's bodies piled up in the harbor. They were the heads of the ruling crime families of Bangkok, correct? Yes. Uh-huh, right? And now they're all dead except for one. His name's Bison. I've tracked him through 11 major cities on four continents and never come close, not once. This guy walks through the raindrops. Hey there, enthusiasts. Welcome back to Hero Talk. I'm your host, Judge Greg. Joining me today, once again, I brought Nick out of the woodworks to talk about this film. Nick, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing good. All right. Our film today is, this one is a special one. Super special. Absolutely. It is Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. Oh my goodness. Now, as you know, Hero Talk is a spoiler podcast. Our general rule of thumb is we will try to stay on topic, but anything that has been released least is considered fair game for us you've been warned all right nick so we should probably let the audience know because this is a decent story yeah we, uh, we saw this movie in the theater together yes we did we drove through a horrendous blizzard <laughs> 45 yes. minutes on a highway Risking our lives yeah on a highway that should have been very much should have been shut down <laughs> uh in order to watch this movie this Os- this movie with its oscar caliber cast oscar caliber cast and holy cow just ju- i what happened uh, we must we we must have gone crazy or something. I don't know why we wanted to do that then. Yeah, I I don't know why we wanted to watch it now, other than the fact that we did watch it then. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's considered by most to be penance on Hero Talk that in order to do a good movie on Hero Talk, you are then committed to do a bad movie on Hero Talk. So Fair since enough. we've just done Dread, <laughs> it's time to pay the piper and do the Legend of Chun Li. All right, so this this movie came out in. Oh, what year was it? 2009. 2009. Um, it's the second Street Fighter movie that has come out. Uh, they tried to do a little bit more gritty realism. And uh, you yeah, know what? Like it, so. it says something when you can watch this movie and you think to yourself, you know, all of a sudden, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Raul Julia, they don't seem so bad. Well, at least it's not offensive race lifting. Yeah. But uh, you know what? This, this was this was something else. Uh, this director. I can't think of anything else that he's been in. It's, I, I don't even know how to say his name. Andrej Barchkuyak. Has That's, he done anything else? I mean, he's done a bunch of stuff, but like, it's it's not really. You know, he did. He was the director of photography for Lethal Weapon Four. Oh, and so, and that that wasn't that wasn't terrible. And I mean, he was director of photography for Speed, but you know what? He did Falling Down, which I actually happened to like. So did I. Yeah. Um. So it's not a terrible resume, but man, did he miss the mark in this movie? As much as I hate to be all like, oh, the cinematography was because that's not that's not really what we do here. <laughs> but but wow, just every scene you're watching like this is awful. Well, you just you, you watch through it and you, you, you just start catalog. You watch scenes thinking that they must affect something somehow. And then you look back at the movie and about three quarters of it didn't matter. Yeah, there's there's a lot of side points that didn't that didn't matter. And a lot of plot points, that seemed like they just kind of got forgotten. And then now I should say I've uh, I have not played a Street Fighter game since Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Hmm. Um, I am kind of aware of some of the characters that have come since then. Uh, like I, I know who Cammy is and I know who. Um, so I know who Cammy is. <laughs> 
But like I, I don't like I knew I, the people who were in the Street Fighter movie, the Van Damme one. Like I, I knew who everybody was in that movie, even if there's characters now that I can't really think off the top of my head who were added. I know there was there was the Native American guy. Yeah. And um, there was there was a uh, yeah T Hawk, and then there was uh, there was a Jamaican guy, I believe. DJ. Yeah. So I, I knew some guys that were added, but yeah, I, I, I've yeah. kept a bit more in tune with the the Street Fighter storyline than that, and there's actually a few weird nods to uh, uh, some of the newer Street Fighter uh, characters and storylines in this movie, but it's so bizarre that they actually included some elements of these stories to show that they actually were aware of these stories and yet mangled or ignored so many superior elements to tell us the story that they gave us. Yeah, it, se- it seemed a lot of people came out of place. Like the uh, the whole Interpol side story thing with, um, with Chris Klein playing his worst Dirty Harry impression to be uh, Charlie Nash, who's from the games, right? Is he a playable character in the games? Yeah, Charlie was uh, Guile's army buddy. He was kind of his replacement in the Street Fighter Alpha series. Okay, all right. And um, there was so- actually, as a side note, there was actually kind of a throw, uh, 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 not exactly a throwback, but a mention to that in the old 94 movie where they had the guy who was captured and turned into to Blanca. Blanca. That was supposed to be Charlie there. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because I was about to say, I seem to remember like his buddy Charlie being turned into Blanca, which, yeah. which was not actually the Street Fighter story, if I recall. Blanca was supposed Dude. to be some, some kid who, who ended up in Brazil when his, his flight crashed and he was... Trained by electric eels or some crap. Tra- yeah, because that happens. Hmm. All right, well, whatever. Now, the other, uh, Moon Bloodgood was in this and played a uh, Bangkok detective, Maya Suni. She's not from the games at all, right? Uh, that one, actually, it's uh, uh, not exactly, but there's some people who kind of guess that she's Crimson Viper, which was a uh, um, a character that got added in Street Fighter 4. Okay. Because that like Crimson Viper is a, a code name, and the actual name, they shared one actual name or something like that. It really doesn't matter if you know, if anyone listening to this knows Crimson Viper and you watch that movie, you would not be able to put it together. Uh, yeah. And then one more person who, as I rewatched this in preparation, for this podcast, which was a wonderful experience. Uh, the character of Quintana, played by Josie Ho, um, who didn't really have a whole lot. She had that horrible bathroom fight scene. Uh, Is she from the games at all? Or I it... don't believe so. When when you hear the name, it's it like rings a bell, but it's probably because you're thinking of Katana from Mortal Kombat. Yeah, there was a couple times I thought they said Katana in the back of my head, like before That's your what brain. I kept thinking yeah. they were saying. Before it your brain puts it together, it you're like, oh, Katana, oh, Katana's in this. And you're like, yeah, oh, wait, wrong game. Yeah, but anyway, you know, before I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into Kristen Kruick just yet. There's there's one person I need to mention. He is the patron saint of great actors and bad movies. Hmm. The late Michael Clark Duncan as Balrog. And I gotta I gotta say I did not remember this uh, until I saw him come back on the scene in this movie. But uh, by the time he was making this movie, he had gotten himself pretty slimmed down. Hmm. Like he was he was not kingpin size. When he was doing this movie, he was he was pretty trim, which I remember happening. He actually was trying to get healthier towards the end of his life. Uh, I, that sounds that's so ominous to say. It's not like he was on the, his deathbed. He was just trying to be healthier. Yeah. So he had, he had slimmed down quite a bit. And to see him well, in this movie, down for a gigantic man like that. Right. Bear in mind that he is about three men normally, and he's got himself slimmed down to about two and a half. I mean, he's he's still a big dude, and he's he's got these phenomenally large shoulders, and he's just I don't believe for one second any of the times where little Christian Kruick is kicking him or anything. <laughs> <laughs> like no, 
No, I don't think so. But yeah, Mike Duncan, he is such a good actor. Such he he a... is the bulk of the reason to watch this movie. And unfortunately, he doesn't have all that much to do. Yeah. Um. But I mean, he's in it now. Taboo played uh, played Vega. And I'm not even going to talk about it. We, we, all right. I'm going to just assume everybody listening understands the whole they have different names in Japan than they do here. Mm. So everybody's name was different in, in Japan. So it's it's kind of confusing for people in the dub. But we'll anyway. just go with the American names. Well, we'll just go with the American names. Uh, Taboo. He's he from the Black Eyed Peas. I believe so. So I guess he got a little jealous of Will I Am getting parts and stuff and Fergie. So <laughs> he um, I mean, he kind of looks like Vega, I guess. I get. I, I don't know a lot about him, but I I guess he looks vaguely Spanish, which is weird considering Vega supposed to be Spanish and looks very much more Scandinavian. With uh, in the games, he has a lot lighter skin and yeah. lighter hair, so that's kind of weird. Yeah. But uh, the, the the his costume was horrible. He looked more like a predator. It, he he really he really did. It looked like the predator mask and and it was i don't it seemed like it was it was a they wanted to throw somebody else from the game in this mm-hmm. but i mean it's not like he did a whole lot he had what two scenes something like that there was one yeah. bit where he killed the the criminal bosses and then he goes after chin Li. yeah that's basically it and then and chun Li. it's not even a long fight scene no no it's it's about a minute yeah she she doesn't really play up the the threat so i mean it really it really made vega look like like kind of a punk I, you know what? I, when I was watching this, I was thinking having Vega go after Chun Li might, and and this would fit in with the idea that the people behind this movie had some idea of uh, previous Street Fighter stuff and just mostly ignored it. But having Vega go after Chun Li might be a bit of a throwback to the old uh, Street Fighter Two animated movie where they had a scene with which was Vega fighting Chun Li, and uh, that was actually a pretty good fight scene. This was not. <laughs> yeah, this was. Well, there were not a lot of good fight scenes, let's be honest. There the the fighting was was done with a lot of people who didn't really have a super ton of experience and this Correct. is what you got. That's that that's true. There was some bits that were surprisingly creative with some of the fight choreography. Yeah. I appreciated that when um uh, Chun Li and Gen had their first sort of training session, it had a bit of the, the Jackie Chan style grab, grab, move, change positions, that kind of uh, stop and start thing that mm-hmm. uh, you see in a lot of his movies. Yeah. And I also think thought that when uh, Balrog and the goons were attacking um, Chun-Li's father. Yeah, that, right was a, that was a good scene. I enjoyed that. That was actually some of the some of the most creative stuff. Yeah. Uh, it, completely ridiculous. But oh, Stuben, like, like, pop the top of the, the champagne or the wine. Yeah, yeah. To slam spray the top of the champagne <laughs> bottle to make the bottom pop off to spray the other guy, which coats your own hand with alcohol, which you set on fire to move the flame over to <laughs> him through Across a chain. Oh. It was weird, but I mean, at least it was creative. Yeah, I am okay with zany and stupid if it's fun. And that was fun. It was fun enough, so I'm like, I don't care if that wouldn't work. It's fun. Yeah. This is actually just making me realize how stupid that whole fight sequence started off where someone fired an arrow through their kitchen (laughs) window that would have killed him if he hadn't opened the refrigerator door. Now, one, what would they have done if they'd actually killed him considering they wanted him alive? Two... Yeah, Where was the archer after that? You couldn't fire another arrow, or was the arrow just to break the window? Yeah, 
it um I've been watching a lot of the arrow lately, actually, and it does strike me sometimes where like they need somebody alive and he's like shooting arrows at the guy. I'm like, what are you gonna do if you hit him with one of those? You mean, oh, all right. Well, turns out I really should have used something less lethal, like your I, boxing glove arrow. Yeah, I think he's done. They they do some fun stuff on Arrow. I think he's used something similar to that. Every every year the show gets a little bit more comic booky, which I thought I wasn't gonna like, but I do. But anyway, so yeah, they the Arrow guy shoots through, but like Balrog is like right there at the window, <laughs> ready to jump through. It's like they just they thought the Arrow wasn't gonna work. <laughs> They're like, all well, right, it's 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 like the arrow guy, like like Bison owed him a favor for something, and the guy was like, hey, I can do it with an arrow, and Bison's like, all right, you're not, we're not gonna use an arrow. They ask, no, I can do it. I can, I will use an arrow, and I will do this. And power to Shadow Lao, Shadow Lao, whatever, Shadow Lu, jeez. Hey, to be fair, there's a whole bunch of different pronunciations that I've seen, be it Shadow Lu, Shadow Lao, Shadow Law, so whatever. To be f- I, whenever I'm in doubt, I default to whatever Raul Julia has said. <laughs> and he said Shadow Lu, so I consider Shadow Lu to be canon and exact. But yeah, so I mean, it's it, he fires the arrow, it doesn't work, and then the archer never shows up again. <laughs> Nor do any projectile ranged weapons show up again in that scene. Speaking of projectile range weapons and Michael Clark Duncan, I got to say, when he was fighting Gen really late in the movie, it was really funny to see huge Michael Clark Duncan with an automatic, a tiny little automatic pistol in his hand. Yeah. He almost lost it love when you're watching. I know it. his hands are so huge. You're like, you almost think like he needs, they need to be a special prop gun for him. Yeah. That, and that's why a lot of movie uh, like action heroes and stuff carry like a desert eagle or something, just so it, it uh, you can see it better. You yeah. Know? It's an absolutely ridiculous firearm to have but at least you'd be able to see it yeah so yeah so let's well we're now on again so let's go with robin shu played gen um no i knew robin shu best from he's he's uh lu kang in mortal kombat and mowgli from the jungle book huh oh you didn't know that in the uh there was I didn't a li- know that. there was a live action jungle book movie and he played mowgli oh weird yeah no that's that's about right um other than that the only other thing i've seen him in is from the robin shoe fight choreography stunt video training guide thing I don't know if you ever saw that. He was uh no. He was hawking these videos the other day, like I will teach fight choreography using these VHS tapes or whatever. <laughs> the other day he was hawking VHS tapes. Oh yeah. my. Yeah. I mean, listen, we're I've dated it by saying about what it was. But it was yeah, it was <laughs> yeah, a, quite a while ago. But that's I mean, that's been it basically. I thought this guy fell off the uh the face of the earth until he shows up and um legend of chun lee a couple well, of other a, things there's a lot of guys uh, yeah. uh, like that who do a lot of work in in kind of shoddy direct uh, video movies yeah. that that's probably where he's been you probably yeah. i haven't looked it up but if you look him up on imdb there's probably like 20 of those in between mortal yeah. kombat and chun lee yeah i mean he's i mean he's got a pretty good i'm looking at his imdb page right now and he's been in some one thing i forgot he was in beverly hills ninja which i did see with uh, chris farley yeah so yeah but shows you about how how much of an impact that had on my life. He was a, he was a voice in Sleeping Dogs, the the video game. Huh. But yeah, it's it's a whole lot of what looks to be either straight to video or foreign release martial arts films. But so he play he plays Gen, who's from the game, right? He's, yes. he's actually a character in the game. And he did was he Chun Li's trainer in the game? In this, well, huh, a lot of the storylines in fighting game, of course, get a little convoluted. But the storyline is that he did train Chun Li at least briefly. Um, he wasn't her primary trainer, I don't believe. Mm-hmm. But one of the weirdest disconnects is that Gen was like a seventy-year-old assassin in the games and was modeled more after like Pai 
May than right, yeah. Liu Kang. Yeah. It was very much looked like old Liu Kang was teaching Chun Li how to fight. And not old, old Liu Kang. Just like yeah, just, middle just aged. Like middle, yeah, like sort of late 50s Liu Kang. Something like that. Yeah. I. I don't know, and then, but he did teach her the, uh, for lack of a better word, because I don't actually know the real term, of the Kamehameha attack. Yeah, which was such an unnecessary tack-on with the way the movie was presented. Yeah, you try so hard to be, now granted, it's not super realistic, but you really try to sort of take all these fantastical elements and ground them at some stage in, in real life, you know. Interpol's involved, you got the police, you know, Bison is, you know, he doesn't have super magnetic hands or fire abilities. And then, like, okay, now we can start sho- shooting Hadoukens. <laughs> <laughs> like, even, man, even the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie didn't go there. <laughs> and they had Blanca. <laughs> oh yeah so not, is... and not not only they, they made a really big deal of the fireball like it, there, it was, there was there was yeah. several training month there, there was more than one training montage about the fireball yes there was they 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 it was it was Chekhov's gun except they kept visiting it during every act yeah it'd be Chekhov's gun if someone kept saying like hey there's a gun on your wall yeah hey Chekhov have, have you seen that gun <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm I I like Chekhov's gun. Although the problem with Chekhov's gun is that it's it's become so established now that at any point in time, if you're watching a movie and they establish a gun on the wall, the first thing you think of, like, oh, they're going to use that later. One of the problems with it is, pardon me. One of the problems is that you have to have subtlety in its presentation. You can have you can have a gun on the wall, but it just looks like background decoration. Mm-hmm. I have seen, and I, I'm very sorry I don't have any good examples, but I have seen decent uh, movies recently where they establish it in such a subtle way that it's it's all, that when they actually go to use it later, you're like, oh yeah, that's that thing. Right. It's it's just much more organic rather yeah. than forced. This was very much like by the time like you get to the final scene, like, well, this this Hadouken has to be coming. Now they blatantly this. call it out because uh, when she knocks, when when she distracts Bison with some flour in his face or whatever that was, concrete, I guess. Yeah. And, and Gen had freaking been curb stomped already, and he looks up at Chun Li and says, "You know what you have to do." It's like, oh. That that actually that actually hurt me. Yeah, man. I was that concrete. A bison reacted to it like it was acid. I, I, well, I think it was powdered concrete, and when it hit him, the bag split open, and that can get kind of nasty. Yeah, uh, still. It, it still didn't make much sense. Yeah, that's that's a fact. It did not make it, much it, sense. It shouldn't have distracted him so much as to be completely defenseless for the 45 seconds she right. waved her hands in the air. Especially, This is a guy who was established to be so skilled and such a massive fighter, and then it really seemed like the second he faced Chun-Li, he just... He just forgot how to fight well. Yeah, well, there were... <laughs> I will give them partial credit in that throughout the course of the movie, you see Chun-Li fighting better and better and better. They don't give much of a reason for you to believe that this would happen. It was just a little bit of wushu training with her dad when she was a kid, and then 10 or 15 years later, a couple of weeks training with Gen, and all of a sudden she's a world beater, ninja yeah. freaking superhero. Well, they used a montage, Nick. I mean... Oh, oh, well... Uh, so this is ascended. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we got we got to talk about there's there's two people left in the cast. I don't usually go through the cast person by person, <laughs> but but in a movie like this, you almost you almost have to because you you know we're not going to be on the story for all. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> so y- you you go where you can go. Um, yeah. Kristen Kruick is Chun Li. So I uh I got to be honest. I actually had to look it up because I didn't believe it. She is actually half Chinese. Half or a quarter. Well, it's. I saw something that said three quarters something. She's her father's Dutch. Her maternal grandmother was a Chinese Jamaican. It did, however, look through the course of the movie that she looked less and less Chinese as the character got older. Oh, uh, yeah. And it, it's really, really unsettlingly jarring when uh, in that uh, sort of growing up montage in the opening credits, mm-hmm. Wushu training with her dad, they have a very clearly Chinese little girl and then one reaction shot and she looks like a white girl. Yes. But, you know, like there's a difference between having like young Inez Yan playing five-year-old Chen Li and suddenly Kathy. Catherine Pemberton playing 10-year-old Chun-Li. There's there's three constants for representations of Chun-Li. One, she's female. Two, she's Chinese. Three, she has massive muscular thighs. They missed two of them. Yes. Yes, they did. Although, to be honest, number three is kind of hard to, to, to get. I'm not saying it wouldn't be. <laughs> I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying those are the three things about Chun-Li that are pretty consistent. Yeah. I don't even remember. Do you remember who played Chun-Li in the Van Damme flick? Nope. It was It was the woman from the, and please forgive the reference, from the Joy Luck Club. Um, I'm going to, I'm, I am DBing right now. Uh, Ming-Na Wen. Uh-huh. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I don't know what else she's been in. She's, um checking out her imdb she was chun li she she did play mulan in a very recent episode of the cartoon sophia the first okay which uh sadly is now a part of my regular watching habits so i actually remember that episode <laughs> uh, she's an agents of shield now which i don't watch but i know some people watch that so Probably she was a few. yeah she was in the second so i mean she's she's still around she's still working yeah good for her yeah, I'm I'm just I'm looking to see if she was actually in Mulan. Like did she actually play Mulan in the Mulan? I might have to edit this part out. <laughs> this is gripping radio, listening yeah. to you looking is, up IMDB references. This is why I love the podcast format, because I can cut this out and nobody ever knows this part happened. Uh, <laughs> Mulan, yeah, she actually was the voice of Mulan. Well, I mean, that's all the fighting chops you need, right? Yeah, and she, uh, so she was Chun-Li, and she was she also played Chun-Li in Street Fighter, the movie, the game. Yeah, I, ne- I, th- I never I think played. All of that. the actors yeah. reprised that. Yeah, I never played that. Did you? Was that? Uh, I probably played a couple credits of it. I've seen some other stuff about it, and oddly enough, I'll give them credit to that they actually modified the gameplay a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily in a good way, but they it, it wasn't just a bizarre palette swap. Well, that's that's good. I I kind of thought it was, but yeah, they have like juggles in that game. It's weird for a Street Fighter game to have juggles. Yeah, but uh, they 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 changed some stuff around. So Street Fighter, the movie, the game has some creative merit behind it. Yeah. Well, anyway, so Migna Wen, who well, I had trouble remembering her name actually. I I liked her much better as yeah as. And then in in the old movie, as opposed to this movie, took a greater care to actually have people look like they, you know, like dress and look like the people from the games they're supposed to be representing. Yeah. I mean, other than than maybe Michael Clark Duncan, who was able to become big and muscular, however, did not actually act like a boxer. And, and well, the whole, no- the whole boxing element of the character pretty much didn't come in. He was just the big bruiser for Bison. Right. He was just kind of the muscle. But I mean, other other than him, nobody else really took the time to look like there. And even then, he was bald, right? So yeah, so Bald yeah. had the weird... Yeah, so no, even he doesn't doesn't quite make it. But man, you want to talk about not looking like the guy from the game. Let's talk about Neil McDonough. Yep. I, I, I don't... Now, 
tell in the game and in, in the story and the lore of the game is is Bison supposed to be Irish? No. So uh, I, I don't think it's ever established just what Bison is. But uh, yeah, I, the Irish thing, I'm pretty sure, is just a construction of of this movie. So here's another question for you, Nick. Let's let's put this one in the bank. So if if Bison was the child of Irish missionaries in China. Or Hong Thailand. Kong. Yeah, Thailand. Yeah, I guess that's where they were, in Thailand. And they die when he's just a little baby, and he's raised in a Thailand orphanage as a little baby. Why does he have an Irish accent? Because reasons. Yeah, exactly. So this this guy, I feel bad because um this I I don't know if he's in this the documentary. There's a documentary I saw on Netflix not that long ago. It's actually a fun watch. It's called Hey, You're the Guy from That Thing. I've seen some of that. Yeah, and and there's a lot of actors, and I I don't know if he was in it. I don't think he was. But he would have been the perfect guy to be in it because <laughs> he's in a ton of stuff, and it's he's different. really recognizable too because of his hair and eyes. Yeah, his eyes especially. Now I actually. Truth be told, yesterday I was just watching uh, the Walking Tall, the rock version, uh-huh. and he was the bad guy in that movie too. So, really? Like this poor guy. Like I, every time I think of him, he's usually paying some jerk or a bad guy in some form or another. He's really good at being unnerving and creepy. Yeah, and now he does a lot of voice acting too. Like, let me just use a couple guys. He was Deadshot. Yeah, he was I, Deadshot in Assault on Arkham, that the animated flick that just came out. He was both uh, Nightwing and the Flash in Injustice, I believe. Yes, he was. Uh, oh, you know who this he was? I totally forgot this. He was Dum Dum Dugan from Captain America. Huh. He was where he had the big old mustache, so I, I totally did. Oh right, I forgot about the mustache. Yeah, so that, was I, I, was, I, was, I, I saw that, and I was trying to remember, and it's like it must be one of those things that I just can't put together. But the mas- mustache really rings a bell there. Yeah, so I guess he's not always the bad guy. I, I apologize for that. He was dumb, dumb Dugan. I, I well, he was definitely one of the good guys in Band of Brothers. Yeah, that's true too. He's been. He's this is this guy is he's a he's a working actor. Yeah, there's no other way to put it. If you look at his IMDb <laughs> page, it's like all right. So 2002, we made like he did like eight things and then 2001 he was all over the place and so he uh i mean he works but he probably i mean he's he's one of those guys who probably doesn't make the big bucks but you know i mean he's he's the kind of guy where very workman yeah if if you need somebody to fill your part and you need somebody who who can pull it off and probably do the accent and and you know be he's i mean he's not like an, an ugly looking guy you know yeah so you just you sort of need the background guy who can look professional and and pull it off. He's the guy. I mean, he does he he does a good job with Bison. It's just that the job that he was given to do with Bison was not good. Well, the job the the whole script and setting he was given to do as Bison, he was basically given Geese Howard from from uh, King of Fighters. Yeah, basically. And oddly enough, he would he would physically be a great Geese Howard. Yeah. I just, you know, the problem is he doesn't look anything like Bison. Nope. He at no point wears anything that Bison would wear. Nope. Uh, so he doesn't do anything Bison would really do, mm-hmm. other than maybe just general evilness. Yeah, well, he killed, or he either killed or had killed some people. Yeah. So I mean, Bison would do that. But uh, there, there was there was the one thing that weird, like transferring his soul into something else. Is that that actually is something? Are you serious? I was going to ask you that. That's that's from that's from sort Lord. of. You remember the 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 shipment was called the White Rose, and it turned out to be his daughter named Rose. Yeah. Well, that's actually supposed to be from the game, the character Rose in Street Fighter Alpha and Street Fighter Four. There was there's a weird thing in the lore where Bison's 
soul gets transferred into her or something like his goodness gets transferred into her while, while Shadowloo recreates his body or some weird stuff like that. But that's that's kind of what I was talking about, how they the people behind this movie clearly understood some of the weird minutia of the Street Fighter storyline and yet came up with this. Okay, that's... Now, one thing that was odd, was let's, as long as we're on Rose, so what was he planning to do with her? I have no idea. No one knows. Yeah, it makes no sense per the it, story. It is a character drive for convenience. I mean, why was he trying to reclaim her? How did he lose her? Why yeah. did she speak Russian? Yeah, exa- like, ex- how do you lose her? Like, the last time we saw her, you had her as a little baby. And did, yeah. did you just drop her off at a Russian orphanage and then, like, some 18 years later think to yourself, hey, you know what? Probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> she might have been hand. I don't know. Might as well have named her Rose McGuffin. Cause Pretty much. She was just there for some... I, she I was there to be yeah. a plot device. Yeah, she was such a plot device that was unnecessary to this movie. And in a very unnatural scene that I, I actually did not at all enjoy. Yeah, so Chun-Li, the only time she wears anything remotely Chun-Li-esque is in that the club scene. Which, when, when, when that started, I, I like my whole torso just clinched up a bit because I had repressed memories of the uselessness and painfulness of this scene. I, I like it didn't I mean Chun-Li the, I have to say like the Shadow Lu people they do not hold up well to torture <clears throat> nope at all like people are just giving out stuff like I mean Bison even says hey I'm going to kill you if you, you anything happens to this girl but then as soon as somebody comes by and punches <laughs> you in the face like oh here's the code to the door like yeah you understand what's going to happen to you right like you know if I'm telling you if Hydra was running this thing man they wouldn't have caught anybody second you, you know grab him where is he hail Hydra bite the you know bite the capsule you're done oh no now i don't know what he's after yeah but man that club scene i mean it, oh god the, all of the lead up to that was freaking terrible uh i actually took some notes about this <laughs> because because the whole lead into that was that bit where the uh where uh, the interpol people nash and what's her name i don't care my interpol people yeah um we're trying to to stake out balrog and he did that limo move where he gets in one side and then just gets out the other side and gets in a taxi and that loses his tail because right. they that- were busy making out to try to hide that they were watching him yeah like i was thinking about that too that only works if you have people who watched you up until you got in the car and then distracted themselves while you were changing cars (laughs) which is why interpol couldn't follow him and chun li who happened to be there for some undisclosed reason watching them as well she wasn't making out with anybody and could see him get into the cab so she followed him in the cab to meet up with one of the people that uh, Bison was extorting favors from and, you know, tried to force him to make sure that the White Rose ship and didn't have to go through customs. And again, somehow Chun-Li happened to be right next to them in public when Balrog was explaining this to the guy. Very loudly, but, too. Very loudly explaining your illegal, illicit activities in a public, crowded place on an escalator. <laughs> it, I mean, it was so like, she's overhearing it because he's just he's almost yelling at the top of his lungs <laughs> like this I, illegal I, thing we're doing this is how it's going down you're like you are like you are really banking on nobody there speaks english <laughs> yeah it was but so so after i mean after all of that she winds up going to that nightclub and i don't think chun li had any reason to know that anything was going to happen there she had no reason to know who Quintana was that she was going to be there that apparently she's a lesbian yeah 
<laughs> to know who she is to walk up to her and do some weird seduction dance thing and invite her. And on top of all of that, how did, one, Balrog not notice that Chun-Li was there? Two, Kintana not recognize Chun-Li's face because this has been a big Shadowloo They've priority. They've been looking for her this whole time. tracking her down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that whole scene, I think I might have figured out why they had that whole scene was one, to sell a spot on a soundtrack in the intro, and two, when, uh, or in the introduction to the scene when they're doing the dancing, and two, when they're leaving, there's some song in the background where you hear Street Fight being repeated. You do, yeah, and they say fighters go. It also, this scene is the home to uh, Chun Li doing uh, the spinning bird kick. Let's, well, let's not go that far. <laughs> she did a kick that involved spinning around and her legs being you know and like when chun Li, the game chun Li does it like her legs are in a split and she actually has some range but this chun Li didn't have her legs split all that much and so the range seemed to be a good like five foot diameter like <laughs> like all anybody well, how, had to do how, how else was, how else were you gonna get out when yeah. you got people at, at all four directions with pistols pointed at you well obviously you're gonna flip over onto your hands and wave your feet at them that's just common sense man i mean listen the action action movie generally dictates that you have to duck and they all shoot each other and that's that's how it's that's just etiquette but uh, that, well, isn't it also action movie etiquette for them to attack one at a time yes it is but this was the one i mean they finally surround her and then she does the this this lame version of of you know the oh, spinning but they, cut, they cut to her spinning necklace with the flapping bird the humming oh, yeah they did totally, like poetic and it was just just like, in case you didn't get it her father yeah hey just in case you didn't understand this was the spinning bird bird kick we're gonna literally show you a spinning bird just to drive it home because we, we don't have any any confidence that you can recognize this <sighs> oh my goodness and the the whole i'm not a hundred percent sure what they were using chen li's dad for in shadow Lu, to be honest they uh plot convenience yeah at some point they said like oh he's got a lot of connections that they can use but like connections, like once you kidnap the guy, like he seemed like he was kidnapped for like some 15 years. Like, don't you think like his connections are a little used up and obsolete by now? Is he hey, still? Hey, man, you haven't been at work in like a decade. Are you all right? Yeah. Oh, he's still there, logging into his email. news articles about you having been kidnapped. Yeah. Oh, that's stupid news articles. The fact that oh, Chuck Lee goes to an internet cafe <laughs> and basically really Googles Shadow Lee. internet cafe that's practically open air. It just has some strips of plastic on the outside. I don't know if that's an actual thing, but you, even in 2009, the idea of an internet cafe with rows and rows of CRT monitors. Yeah. It. it listen, I don't, I, I don't want to be the one to go like, man, not even Thailand is that bad and have them actually be like that. They have that be accurate but it seemed like they were trying to make it look a little slummier yeah yeah it, it was a building that didn't look like it would be able to have enough electricity running through it to run that many computers yeah but she was able to go there and she basically just googled shadow loop <laughs> <laughs> she learned all their secrets. Yeah, I mean that's that was the same thing uh, Nash did. He, he was just yeah. like he he freaking Googled Chun Li and figured out who well, he she didn't know was. who Chun Li was. So it's the only thing I can imagine. He Googled M Bison young girl following, and then Chun Li <laughs> came up because Google's pretty good at that sort of thing, apparently. And the and the presentation of the articles themselves is just this is really quick. 
little shot where it's, yeah. you know, headline, picture, subheadline, all of the information under it you can't read. But I think certainly the two Chun Li looked up and I think the one uh, Charlie Nash looked up were all in the same format, same font, uh, point size, p- uh, position and size of the picture in the article. Yeah. They, it was, they it was a like copy and paste just, job. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like the worst news website ever, apparently. <laughs> well, well maybe, it's actually it a pretty good news website because that's a news website yeah. for its content, apparently. They, they don't have time to be hiring all kinds of web developers to make things look <laughs> fancy because they are out there hitting the streets. I mean, this website, this website not only knows what's going down with the secret rumored crime organization, they know the people who are currently investigating on the side, the secret, secret <laughs> crime organization that doesn't really exist. I mean, it's it, amazing investigative reporting, just really bad web development. Maybe they should have hired those investigative reporters to work at Interpol. <laughs> they, they should have had Esperanto a second, is yeah. buying up all the real estate, this building right next to Interpol. <laughs> That's the best. Like they're right there. They are yeah. right next to you. And they're just operating right out of that building. You're like, man. Yeah, they put never it together and he points out the window at the building. Yeah. Now that's that's kind of a story. Like it wasn't at one point they kick everybody out of the slums and Bison's all like The bulldozers well. are coming tomorrow. And the bulldozers don't come. Yeah, the, that never happens. The slums are still there, they never get torn down. You get and like the rest of the movie they use that that line like, We all love this neighborhood. We don't want to see it destroyed. And like, well, wasn't that, love- that was supposed to have happened a couple days back, right? It did, did, More than a couple. I think that was a span of weeks. I, know, I actually, I was trying to pay attention to the span of days, and I think like the whole story takes place basically from when she hits Thailand. I think we're looking at maybe two weeks. I was trying to give some benefit of the doubt to the idea that training with Gen could have done something. Oh, wait, wait. Montage. Time, montage. It was uh, montage. Time dilation. Is yeah, dilation. it was. Yeah, I keep I, forgetting I think, because I live in the real world. I think you're trying to give it a little bit too much credit. I Yeah, so I just, I don't understand the guys that they brought in for the movie. Like, it doesn't make sense to me, the people that you brought in, but then the people you you leave out. And it almost feels like you're trying to, to save some of these guys for, like, the sequel. Yeah, they thought there was going to be a sequel. I mean, why would, like, when they, they end it with that really lame, you know, like, oh, I know this guy, Ryu, who's starting a tournament. But you can't play that whole like prequel because I'm like, well, you've already killed Balrog and Bison, so yeah, two two of the really important ones. Yeah, Balrog, Balrog died in such a weird way. Like, I don't. He got steamed to death. Is that dude? Let off some steam, Bennett. Yeah, it really did feel like Commando. That's the first thing I thought is you 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 really need to say say that. Line. <laughs> I I think that should be Hollywood law. Yeah. The, the moment you kill someone with a steam pipe, you have to make some wise correct. You have to say like, I guess he needed to let off some steam. Yeah. But uh, what a stupid way to go. Yeah. Especially for for Balrog, who I don't, you know, you know, you got Michael Clark Duncan, you got Robert Shue, two guys who can put together probably a decent fight scene, and it was like they were on a budget and they didn't have time. And they're like, yeah, we got to finish filming today, guys. And they did so, that, and the the room they did it in wasn't even well lit. And it, I mean, you and I have watched enough pro wrestling; we know how a big man, little man fight can go. You have the little guy bouncing around a lot, the big guy just standing there doing a lot of power stuff, and eventually, especially in a fight like this, Gen is the good guy, mm-hmm. and eventually, it's you know the little guy starts 
piling up some damage, eventually gets the big guy off his feet. But in that whole sequence, the big guy has to do some really impressive power stuff that makes you kind of think, oh, no, how's the little guy going to manage to get up after this? You know, they didn't do any of that. Yeah, none of that happens. A lot of fun stuff. They actually had Balrog do that at the beginning. With yeah, Chun-Li's at the beginning, it worked really great. But it's, it's almost like they did the fight with Chun-Li's dad just to say, hey, look at all the cool stuff that can be done with this movie that we might do later. And then they just kind of don't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, all right, now we're done with the fun fight stuff. They might as well have just said that. They're like, all right, we're done now. <laughs> we're not going to do any of this anymore. Now you're going to watch some derivative stuff. With Yeah. Now, and this is the thing. And they hit you with a pipe. Kristen Kruick, I think she actually, she has some karate experience and, and some, some gymnastic experience, at least up until she, uh, I think she has scoliosis. And I think that's, that's what got her out of, I think she was like a nationally ranked gymnast. So she can do that's stuff, but I just, she, I didn't believe it in this. Now there's a scene in, in Smallville where, where Kristen Kruick is very famously from. She was uh, Lana Lang in Smallville, uh, where she something possessed her or took her over or something, and she like became like super hardcore kick butt Lana Lang. And she looked better in that scene in Smallville than she did in this movie, which I have to assume had a budget for fight choreography. So <laughs> well, what's the maybe, excuse? Maybe the budget for fight choreography was was to hire. I'm sorry, I've already forgotten his name. Uh, uh, Luke Kang and Gen. Robin Chu. Yeah, maybe it was just to hire him and thought that this guy acting could also choreograph everything, and they were trying to <laughs> yeah. cut corners there. Maybe just they needed by to save money for the special effect of yeah. Fireball. Oh, stupid! I, I can't. Even, I don't even want to think about what kind of budget they wasted on that speaking of budget this is relevant now budget for the movie was 50 million dollars which what? they still overpay i don't know like i don't know what mike duncan can take in on a movie like this Kristen kruick is not in a ton of stuff so clearly she's you know they're not gonna have to super pay for her but mike duncan he, he probably he could probably command a pretty decent salary yeah for the right role yeah so worldwide what do you think this movie took in at the box office maybe 20 i don't think it was lower even, yeah 12 12 Ah, 12 million. Yes, not bad. Yeah, so uh so that's a loss. <laughs> you think? And I mean I, I usually you say like oh but with DVD sales they'll make it up. But I I don't I don't yeah. even know if uh, you could say uh, that here. That's a lot to make up in DVD sales. Well, that's just the production. That didn't even include marketing. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I I don't know if you could. I mean, in Australia, this thing didn't even get a theatrical release. It was a straight to DVD. Well, good for them. Yeah. So they, I guess they lucked out. And so other than schmucks like us trying to watch this movie again, <laughs> to podcast on it, I don't know who's out looking to watch this movie. The thing, I, I, I don't know. It's Rotten Tomato score has got to be pretty, pretty low. Yeah. This is one of those movies that never got screened for critics in the first place because they knew it was going to be bad. Yeah. That's always the surefire. 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Which now I'm how does Rotten Tomatoes work? Like it's the percentage of people who gave it favorable reviews. Yeah, yeah. So are you telling uh, me eighteen percent of the people who watch this movie, there's an eighteen percent of the critics out there look at this one like that's pretty good. Probably a bunch of people who who kind of said, Oh, it's a fighting movie, some of the fight choreography is okay, um, blah blah <laughs> blah. It's the kind of action movie you shut your brain off. It's a fun time. Or they got bought off or they yeah. were trying to look cool or, or they're idiots. Or just like was do we have like the names of the the critics are like John Cruick, <laughs> McDonough, Sarah Duncan, John Shue. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't I don't know how you I don't know how you get that many positive reviews. There was there was not a lot redeemable about this movie. No, not a lot. 
like there, there was here's here's one of the things that just bothers me about a movie like this is when it kind of doesn't exactly even pay attention to itself. I mean, narrative. When you're telling a story, you want the narrative to be at least remotely cohesive. You want things to at least appear like they're affecting uh, the main storyline, even if it's a red herring, you know. But with this one, there are massive, massive chunks that don't affect anything. Basically, all of Interpol. All doesn't... of Interpol and half of Shadowloop. Yeah. yeah, there's no. It doesn't affect anything. Like if you if you took Interpol completely out of this movie, I mean, th- it, what would it really change uh, other than the running? Getting time? reminded of Nicolas Cage. Yeah, man. He, wow, what a poor man's Nicolas Cage. Chris <laughs> Klein was. It's. Was I, I, so I was terrible. actually thinking this is more like a poor man's poor man poor man's Nicolas Cage. Yeah, and bear in mind, Nicolas Cage will do just about anything. So that's he, saying he, something. Here's another thing: is that with with, with people like say Nicolas. Cage or Christopher Walken or to some extent maybe someone like Malcolm McDowell or, or some of these kind of character actors you can't try to imitate them because it will never work yeah you we can't actually imitate it yeah. you can't rip it off it, it just yeah. doesn't happen we we discussed this recently in the uh, the Batman Returns hero talk about you know when when the guy who's trying to play Max Shrek's son who's you know the, the son of Christopher Walken's character is trying to do a bad Christopher Walken impression to be his son it just doesn't work you're just like I know what you're doing you're you're just trying to act like Christopher Walken it's it's not working Ugh, that uh, sounds horrible yeah but yeah, uh, I don't know you know and there's so many people I like I actually I I don't mind Kristen Kruick but I mean you know I like Mike Duncan I I actually like Neil McDonough I like Moon Bloodgood um I even kind of like Robin Shu but it's just absolutely nothing worked the, the screenwriting Justin Marks I don't know who this guy is or if he has anything to do with Street Fighter at all but it really kind of seemed like he read the Wikipedia page for Street <laughs> Street Fighter and just kind of just threw something together real quick. It was, I mean, terribly done. And I mean, and Capcom was so proud. They put their special Capcom logo. Yeah, right I noticed that it really looked a lot like the current like uh, DC or Marvel. Yeah. Uh, splash screens. It looked a lot like it. And how or why that came about, I don't know. I don't think this movie was worth the amount of money it took to put together Capcom's splash screen. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you really think you're going to get like a series of these movies where people are going to be lo- lining up to, to make Capcom movies? If, think if, Mega if, Man's if, anyone, happen- if anyone involved at Capcom thought that, then they're idiots. Okay? Look, a lot of fighting game fans would love to see cinematic adaptations of the fighting games, but there's a very critical problem with cinematic representations of fighting games that there is no easy solution to. And that's because in a fighting game, there are eight or 10 or 20 or 30 characters that could be your protagonist. You can't do that in a movie because you have to follow one thing at a time. Yeah, but it's I mean, really it, hard to get it, over that. It can be done. I, can I just look done. at Jean-Claude Van Damme and Raul Julia, and as dumb as that movie was, it worked for what it was trying to be. Yeah, that one that one worked. The first Mortal Kombat movie is okay. Yeah. Those actually that you can look at them and say these are all right for what they are you know some people like day dead or alive doa i don't remember what the movie was actually called but uh some people like that i mean a lot of characters got really glossed over i mean they but i mean they could they didn't have time for all of that and an actual i'm not even joking with you there's a scene in that movie where they actually stop what they're doing and play beach volleyball I don't want to live on this planet anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's something else. Um, and, and and you know yeah. what? I'll also say that 
the concept of taking Street Fighter and making movies that each focused on a particular character and trying to build that up, that's not a bad approach. But you would have to stay close enough to the concept behind the characters and behind their own storylines that you could actually add them up together. Like, if you look at it that way, this could, theoretically, this is, like, way outside the realm of what I think anyone's capable of. But if you look at it in theory, it could have added up a little bit like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where you have yeah. one individual's, uh, one individual character's story here, one individual character's story there, maybe, like, two or three in another movie. They start interacting with each other and it kind of works like a comic book in movie form but it's about these fighting game characters yeah but in order for that to work you can't kill off balrog and bison at the end N- no of no. every movie like you can't do that <laughs> it's it's going although neil mcdonald would like the work you, you can't you can't get away with it so i actually i i did like him i mean it, it's a strange casting choice but how the script had the character in this movie i thought he did a fine job right. um i, I mean in terms I of actually... hiring an actor to take what was written on the page <laughs> and playing it he did that really well the problem is that the character on the page was somebody who should not have been named m bison correct i mean just a a little bit of a uh, step back to the whole alternate character names in different places the the international name for bison is dictator yeah this is not a dictator this is a slumlord real estate mogul thing yeah Uh, i mean his whole his whole villain plot the reason he needed to rid himself of his conscience was to import crime into slums that he grew up in to drive down the property value so he could buy the whole thing up, which I don't know why he was short of funds to buy the property in the first place, and then build nice houses. Yeah, it um so evil, right? Right. I mean it really it's 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 almost like Superman one in a way, where it's like I'm the greatest criminal mastermind and I am the greatest evil genius. What are you gonna do? I want land. Yeah. It it does have a little bit of a hint of that flavor. But it, it uh, Yeah, it's I, this ain't this ain't world domination. This ain't something right. that you have to get rid of your conscience for. In fact, it would be really easy to appease your conscience if you said, I'm going to buy all this land, I'm going to develop it, and I'm going to have one high-rise for affordable housing. Oh, something like that. It would work. Yeah. The, 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 the other no, thing about Bison's that, evil, too, is... Bison's evil because... Yeah, reasons. reasons. And now, for somebody who mystically removed all the good from his soul, uh, he seemed to have an awful lot of, of honor and conscience. Uh, he seemed to actually have some care for he his daughter. He called himself a sentimental man. Yeah, he's sentimental. He he didn't want to harm young Chun-Li because, you know, he's like, he oh, I... He explicitly said he keeps his word. Yeah, he explicitly said, I, I'm a man of my word. So it was like, hey. he doesn't seem, other than, you know, being, he did murder Quintana and had a lot of other people killed, which you're the villain. You're Most supposed... of them were criminals. Yeah, he, um, <laughs> he didn't kill that. They didn't really do a lot of killing of innocent people. Even yeah, Chun-Li's dad was heavily implied that he was sort of a bad person. Yeah, he maybe maybe that's why his connections were still good, because they were criminal connections. Yeah, it just, it really seemed like, you know, for somebody who was supposed to be so evil to the point of having rid his soul of all conscience, he seemed to have a bit of a conscience in terms of his evilness. like Or at least didn't do enough evil to warrant having to remove the conscience. Right, he did not have enough evil to, I mean, he was, what he did was probably pretty greedy and, and wasn't really nice, but it certainly didn't seem so super illegal yeah i mean he even offered the other crime lords a chance to stick around and and be a part of the the show 
you know? Okay, okay. There's one thing that, that in that whole sequence really stuck out to me. It's probably completely insignificant, but it just struck me as such a bizarre choice of things to do. When they're walking away from the table oh, the after fade he out. makes this. Yes, exactly. The fade out. What was the point of that? I don't get it. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like, these, they're walking away and they fade out from the table, which makes it look like more time has passed than really is when they're all just getting up and walking away. And yeah. then they when they show them leaving, they're all together in a group. So you're like, so they didn't just slowly get up and walk away like a fade out would imply like they all clearly left together at least <laughs> together enough that they had to take the same elevator down yeah it, it's just you just and you see bison standing there the whole time while, while while they're doing their little dissolve as they walk away from the table and it seems like they kind of walk away one by one they dissolve and then and then bison has vega go out and behead them all on their way out yeah oh I don't, I don't know. The whole yeah. point of that scene seemed to be, to me, to show how many languages Bison knows. Because he kept <laughs> addressing them all in their native tongue. Right. Which had to be annoying for the other guys. <laughs> like, what is he well, saying? Are they conspiring against out in the yeah. Open, huh? yeah. I mean, it was, I don't know. It was, nothing that Bison did was especially more evil than any other person in any, I mean, his... His motivation was just to make a little bit of money and was ruthless and nothing that really made purging his soul of good work. You know, Raul Julia did a better job of playing. I'm a megalomaniac and I want world domination. But again, the script actually gave him the opportunity to do that. Yeah, that's it's unfortunate. But and talking about other stuff that doesn't make sense. The whole why? Why does there's just so many things in this movie that when you stop and try to look at the whole thing beginning to end, these strings don't actually connect with each other. Somehow, Gen is in a subway station and passes out to try to hand this weight. No. Why was Gen in the subway? And someone handed us an ancient scroll to Chun-Li to indirectly guide her to Gen somehow. And then, like I said before, about she somehow is able to follow Balrog and figure stuff out. She is the bit when she escaped. That was like the biggest waste of time. She goes to the shipping docks mm-hmm. to try to intercept Rose. And then she gets jumped and captured. Bison kills her father in front of her, yep. which seems to be the only point of any of this and they probably could have killed her back then and and say bison was assuming his role in maintaining contact or something whatever but they capture her kill her father in front of her bison tells balrog to kill her balrog tells a couple of mooks to kill her she manages to escape and then she goes back to the dock again after that. You could have just cut that whole sequence out and you wouldn't have lost anything. Yeah, it, w- it was there just to sort of... Killing her father was about the only thing, but that was about 15 minutes screen time for a movie that's not super long, mind you. Just dedicated to... Uh, 96 minutes was the running time. It sure feels longer. It did feel longer, but I, I checked. 96 minutes. It just... It's because there was just... There was so much padding. I don't... Oh, I don't get... All right, anyway. You know what, Nick? Now is the time on Hero Talk where we say what our favorite part of the movie was. Nick, what was your favorite part of this movie? My favorite part of this movie has to be the masterful, masterful misdirection from Balrog by stepping into one limousine getting out the opposite <laughs> door to lose a tail because michael clark duncan standing up in between a limo and an adjacent taxi cab doesn't stand like twice as tall as the limo anyway yeah in in bangkok by the way <laughs> like michael clark duncan is going to blend in anywhere much less in bangkok thailand like everyone <laughs> would know what was going on like hey have you seen this guy <laughs> yes oh my gosh yes <laughs> oh man, I don't get it. That guy whose voice sounds like thunder. Yeah. 
He frightened my children. Yes, I'll never forget this man. He frightened my children by giving them money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Here, have a five. Kid's really cute. <laughs> well, that sounded creepier than I wanted. Yeah, to. that was, that was, maybe that was a different movie you were thinking of there. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, man, do I, I have to figure out my favorite. I don't really have. It's so bad. I need to come up with a favorite how, part. How, how about the little tiger leitmotif, the one with bison? The tiger growl that followed him around. Yo, what was that? Holy cow. Yeah, why? <laughs> why? was? Is there any game significance to that, or was it just... No, no, it's just random. Just random? They just decided they wanted to do that? I, I, I honestly, I kind of liked that. Um, they didn't stick with it enough, but, I mean, it was kind of a menacing thing, a little bit like uh, the Joker's little sick note. In, yeah, in uh, Dark Knight. Yeah. yeah. Not as good, of course, but... No. Yeah, it just seemed, I mean, I guess that opening fight, it's as good as anything else. <laughs> it's certainly not the Chun-Li Bison fight at the very end. Hey, oh hey, they, they did manage to sneak in something you could call the lightning kick in there. What would you call that? Oh, that that bit when she, she had the bamboo pole and was kind of swinging for him and like kicked about four or five times in the air. Yes, I don't know. I mean, oh yeah, it's a stretch, but I'm pretty sure that's the only reason they did it. Yeah, I mean, there was there's a couple scenes where she did like little backflips jumping off of guys. And I'm like, yeah, Chun Li does that, but oh, there's that one scene. Remember that scene when she first started fighting in Bangkok and she's fighting a bunch of street thugs, and then the street <laughs> thugs are start doing like butterfly kicks, jumping yeah. off the walls, and like, holy cow, what kind of street crime do you have there? <laughs> I also like that at the end of that, she she did like this uh, head scissors flip and then like wipes. She she finished wiping them out, but her last move wiped herself out. Yeah. And she was just on the ground. It's like, man, you should be really glad that they're not getting up right now. And then she finishes it off by getting up before them and like knocking a shelf over onto them. Yeah, that was really funny. Like, like the guy's like just kind of like he's grunting on the ground. And he looks pretty tired. And so she like takes his giant alley shelving unit, which I guess they have in Bangkok. And she just dumps it over on the side. I kind of oh. got I kind of got that feeling like they were in an alleyway between a couple of houses so it's it's uh or a breezeway or something where people might keep their own possessions yeah, maybe well then she was just a jerk because that's yep. somebody else's that's stuff. some property damage yeah well it's property damage one it has to be somebody's yeah that's just mean unless it's alley property and it seemed kind of unnecessary too <laughs> but man I don't know it's stupid now let, let me one more thing holy cow <laughs> So when Bison takes his wife to the evil tree or the evil cave or whatever it is, I'm thinking tree. Like I was almost like the Empire Strikes Back cave, like going tree. Did she know the plan? Because she seemed pretty cool with everything. Uh, I because reasons. Yeah. Th this is a movie where things didn't even happen because the plot required it because the plot didn't require much. Yeah. Things just happen for the sake of things happening. This wasn't even a case of a bunch of convenience, although there was plenty of that. Like, how did, Char uh, did Chun Li even know who Charlie was to go to him to ask for help? Yeah, what? I don't yeah, think she just shows before. up. Like, did, did she, like, well, this guy was making out when I was following the <laughs> around? <laughs> oh, you want to talk about some unearned sexual tension? <laughs> oh, yeah, the freaking yeah. golden handcuffs. Yeah, oh, yeah, like, I'm not buying any of this at all you like you can try to sell this to me all you want i'm not buying it this is so forced and so dumb i don't know you know what yeah so yeah my favorite scene is the the fight at the very beginning because that was that was the last point when the movie was fun was 
about yep. five minutes in. After that, even Michael Clark Duncan trying to chew the scenery wasn't enough because the script didn't give him enough to do. No, it wasn't. It wasn't that good. And oh, how about this? So Chun Li, she we start the movie and it's Chun Li voiceover narrating the movie up until she gets to Bangkok, and then she stops narrating. You either use that device or you don't. Maybe. It, well, the narration was horrible, so I'll take what I can get. Yeah. No, granted, the narration was bad, and it was kind of a blessing when it stopped. But come on. All right. So that's the movie. All right, Nick. What what would you? Uh, what would you score the movie? Well, I've actually been thinking about this. <laughs> <laughs> and if Monday is the cursed beginning of the work week and Sunday is the Holy Sabbath, then for me, it was Tuesday. Fair enough. I've, I am going to give this movie one fake spinning bird kick out of five. Oh my gosh, that kick was dumb. Man. <laughs> All right. Well, figured we probably had to do this movie because... We because like, of the story of how we saw it, if nothing Because else. of the story of how we saw it. And you know what? We we just like to do Michael Clark Duncan movies on Hero Talk. Yes. Well, Nick, um, thanks for coming on, and thanks for reliving this particularly fun <laughs> event with me. God. Yeah, hopefully we get a fun one next time for everybody. Yep, yep. All right, well, on behalf of my guest, I just want to thank everyone for joining us. If you have a movie you want to discuss, or if you want to join our panel, email Talk at Enthusiac. For more podcasts, Let's Plays, articles, videos, and reviews, visit Enthusiacs.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Enthusiacs, subscribe to our YouTube channel that is YouTube.com slash Enthusiacs. And as always, we'll see you right back here on the next Hero Talk.